and welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And as always, we have a craft and a crime. Yay! So we, um, I am actually waiting on a package. I'm really excited. Now I can talk about it. But um, <laughs> my husband does, uh, he mixes music, like he used to DJ and stuff. And, um, and the sound system in the garage, because he has a whole setup in the garage with his turntables and everything. Mm-hmm. And well, I know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you've seen it. <laughs> you've been in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, he's got a whole setup. Well, I think one night he just got a little too um, loud with the speakers and blew the subwoofer. Because uh-huh. it's so, old, right? Yeah, it's old. And they don't sell the the whole thing anymore. Well, it's a whole lot easier just to find a used subwoofer. And so I'm really hoping it works because the subwoofer powers all the speakers. And he has it like our garage is an average size garage. Yeah. And so he has it all throughout the like wired up throughout the garage. So does he really? I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I paid attention yeah, to that part. Yeah, speakers. Like he's got the whole setup um, in front of that big desk thing that he built. So uh-huh. he's got like three speaker, three speakers there. And I think a couple like one behind the door like on the other side of that shelf mm-hmm. he's got a few like all over cool. but all the wires run to the subwoofer and mm-hmm. that is what broke and so i found one on macari for like 25 bucks yeah i'm really hoping it works i had to pay 30 dollars in shipping because it's so heavy heavy yeah and um the older they are the heavier too yeah <laughs> and so it was a whole hell of a lot cheaper to do that Yay. than to get a whole thing and so he's been having a rough week <laughs> at work and stuff and i mean you know what happened the week prior with that one guy it's, it's just it's been it's been a, a bit work is work <laughs> work is work but it's worse when there's drama involved and people being stupid and um so yeah there's a dumb criminal freaking <laughs> co-worker that spazzed out and got arrested um so i am anxiously waiting for ups to pull up and any drop second that off i know i was trying you get their website's all messed up but i'm really excited because He's just laying on the couch right now, relaxing. And he was like, I don't know if I'm going to go. I guess Gabe's DJing a show um, somewhere. Does and... he work tomorrow? No. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Kurt works, but Jack doesn't yeah. know. So he was going to go with Randy or whatever. So they might. He's like, I don't know. I got to see how I feel because he's still dealing with all the back issues. You know, he's just not feeling 100%. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I got a surprise for you. And I think I know what you're going to do all weekend. <laughs> and Yay. Which it's been months since right it's been it's been a while i don't know it was like before summer everybody's like before been really hot, tired hot. we haven't been hanging out in the garage <laughs> no and it's been too hot. hot so it was before <clears throat> it was so it's been months that mm-hmm. it's been out and um so i'm excited to get that for him and get them all That'd back be in because it's a you know music is um a good release for tension and you know i i yes. myself i play a lot of instruments um and I just know even listening to music can put me in a different headspace and so I I know that's Mm -hmm. for him it's a good stress reliever you know go in the garage have a few beers and and mix some music and so it's been a while so yeah I mean I don't love hearing it (laughs) all the time because it's like I mean he does a lot of jungle and drum and bass but um you know I've it's been 15 years. I'm used to it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not forced to go out there and listen to it. I just have to hear the, the bass, you know, from inside the house yeah. and text him at like one in the morning, like, dude, turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now that it's cooling down and we can actually like hang out and the guys can go do their thing. And you then I've got to fix that door. 
I know. I know we do. We just don't have We're going to pull my garage together, too. And I know it mm-hmm. won't be the same thing, but it'll be another fun space that we can move back to back once we fix the fence. I know. But now the weather's cooling down. We can go outside and really do it. It's, yeah. It was, as we've mentioned, we the kids got sunburns on Easter. Mm-hmm. It's been hot forever. And then we had like a weird June that was like way too cool for June. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of rainy days. And now it's just way too hot for existence. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I'm like, down it's October. Why is it so hot still? Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know every Halloween I'm like sweating <laughs> <laughs> while I take yeah. all the kids trick or treating. So, um, yeah, it's still hot, but I'm ready for fall weather. It's it's like up and down, and it's like and it's the like 80s, and then it's the I'm 70s, literally like, it's like looking 90. at the weather, going, "What day can I make boiling hot soup?" I know. Well, what's you made... the coolest day? Yeah, I made French onion mm-hmm. soup uh, yes, the, day the day before because yeah. I was gonna do beef stew, but I ended up not. Yeah, um, and I did it yesterday. Yeah. yeah, beef stew is my go-to, and then, um. Yeah, French onion soup. That's next on my list. But I'm waiting for like a cold day. And I'm like, there's yeah. really no It was cold. supposed to be colder this week. And then it adjusted to being like mild. Yeah, it's a high of 73 today. And then, <laughs> Rude. Yeah, but then next week it's going to be like 84, 86 next Sunday. Huh, what? Happy 80, November. 81 on Halloween. Yep. Yeah, because we're still not Fuck to Halloween. Bullshit. Yeah, that's how far in advance we record. Oh yeah. But, um, ooh, we did get a little bit of um, drama on our street. We um, the kids. <laughs> I got a really cute picture of Calvin in that window with the that cop was car. Super cute. It's it's nothing. Oh, and then today, this morning, there was like a fire truck and an ambulance. I think it's for the house down the street. Oh, I saw them so, go by because I was like, why? I hear something really loud yeah. and fast coming down yep. this street. We have a super old, narrow street. This, yeah. This it's area like was only built one, in the 50s. It's yeah. Like one car one at a time. time. Yeah. There's, you're playing chicken. If there's two of you coming from each end, you have to who's like going to pull side. off to the side? Yeah. And the way people drive down here, it is unbelievable. Oh gosh, they have no idea... Down. If someone is turning on that street. No. And it's crazy because you said there's never been a major accident. No. No, and there was over here. Yeah. But um, not at directly. The, at the in house front of at us. the very end, the corner, not in front of us, but in the corner mm-hmm. over here, a car lost control, probably going too fast coming. So that direction? Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm still this, not familiar. It's been street, a year. So here, this street yes. here. So on our side, uh-huh. that corner house, someone was coming this way mm-hmm. and went up through. You know how they have that big white gate yeah. right there? Went through that into their garage. A oh, car did. So that that street, people fly down a lot. But yeah, our street's very small, residential. And there are some people that are just, man, they fly down the street. And there's and a lot of kids. And you are barely getting anywhere any fast. No, I mean, when are it's you a ever? short street, Yeah, too. when are you ever? But like on the edges of the street, because of the building that's at the very end of the road, Everyone is stopping like there's mm-hmm. no it's not saving you any time. So it's not even like it's a shortcut through a neighborhood so I don't have to hit every red light. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense logically. And I think they're only driving down that fast because they don't know any better. I don't notice a lot of the same vehicles doing it. I do. There's a couple. Really? Yeah. There's like a silver one that goes. So that's why fast. they keep doing it because mm-hmm. there's never been a consequence. And there's always that really loud car. You know that that really really loud like sputtering really engine one. It almost sounds like a motorcycle, but Across it's a car. The street. It's not that one, I don't think. Oh, there's another I one. I thought somebody had a motorcycle, but Kurt was like, "No, it's that beetle." And I was like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, I know the sound of the beetle because they've been there ever since we've been here. 
Um, but yeah, there there was some there was a lot going on. There was that one week, like a week or so ago, where there was all the cops on our street. There was like two oh, cop yeah. cars, the ambulance, yeah, the yeah, fire yeah. truck. There was like all this stuff. But like, I think it was like happening? two separate things. Is I think what so I think. too. It was two separate incidences. The cops were at one, one end, and the ambulance and, and the fire uh-huh. was at the other. I think it's an elderly, um, mm. like person at the end of the street yeah. because they. Anytime we see it, it's like, oh, I know what house because they're always parked yeah. down there. And it's crazy um, because my downstairs neighbor a long time ago had that with her um, elderly mom. And mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, the fire department ambulance. They'll come every week. They came there yeah. to come every week because they understand also it's a transport mm-hmm. thing as well. If you are uh, medically indigent, you don't have a way to get to wherever you need or you are too sick to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just crazy. But you'll eventually realize it's the same. Yeah, person. I never know if they take the person or if they mm-hmm. show up. To assist or whatever but um yeah so we aid. had that this week and then we had the cops fly up in front of you like because oh you know God. we're neighbors so yeah <laughs> it's like my driveway is you know right by yours uh-huh. and um and so i saw a cop car pull up in front of elaine's house and i was like what the heck like they had and a then, purpose which yeah, was weird it was fast and mm-hmm. then another car pulled up and blocked my driveway <laughs> not like i needed to go anywhere but i was like that's illegal. Van in. Yeah. <laughs> so they pulled up and they were going to the house across the street. Yeah. And it's not the first time. No. Um, so we kind of knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, just domestic stuff. but And it's hard to not hear it because I was making my French onion soup yeah. and I was in the caramelization <laughs> part. And I was like, with your window open. I have to stir yeah. it. So I'm just standing here like, I swear, I'm not really trying to look, but oh, I'm we just here. <laughs> I get it. It's hard not to. Like, it's right there. It's not yeah. like we're at the end of the street peeking out. It's literally in front of our house. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of and like... I had all my windows open because it was that yeah. really cool day Yes, that we it was had. a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. It was like the coolest day I knew we were going to have. So mm-hmm. I was making Which this is hot made soup. soup. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. And it was just odd. The the way that the police were handling the situation, it was just very odd. And then everybody left and the cops looked mad. Yeah. Nothing happened. So yeah. I think they were frustrated with the situation because... And the, something the, happened. Mm-hmm. You said you saw someone packing up stuff or yeah. whatever. So I don't know, mm-hmm. but... It's just, it's unfortunate. Um, There's not much, you know, we could do other than, I think Jack called the cops at one time when he heard um, a dispute thing happening. Mm -hmm. You just heard something happen. We knew, you kind of know, if you hear something, it's better to call than to just assume, like, everything's fine. fine. Um, So, yeah, Jack heard um, something happening, and so he, I think he called it in. Um, And I other neighbors have too. I know the neighbor that we talked mm-hmm. to across the street. I know she's yeah, kind of said the and same thing. And it's crazy because it's like, well, there's that one empty house now, mm-hmm. and it's Ooh, just as cra- bad as people. living. Yeah, and it's just as bad as like living in an apartment. I was so lucky that the neighbors I had in my apartment from the moment we had moved in, mm-hmm. um, it we had the best roommates we were so roommates we had the best neighbors and we were so freaking did you tell your friend about that house because i know you told her about the other house i don't Uh, remember which friend it was no no i didn't because um like it doesn't even have a Mm -hmm. for rent or anything it's just vacant it's just empty they could be private property they could be selling it Mm -hmm. who knows but it could be in foreclosure probably um probably maybe for sure yeah probably totally maybe for sure i bet you're right um and it's so stressful because it's like we can't just pick up and move and neighbors are scary. And I know. There's riffraff here that wasn't because people are moving in and out. And so that mm-hmm. open house, I'm like, oh, it's moving in. 
I know. I, <laughs> it's stressful. It's like the we had a house sell across the street from us, and it's mm-hmm. they're quiet. It's like a family with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I obviously have the best neighbor. No, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, we do. Nikolai's we got lucky. Pretty cool. Yeah, and so on either side of us, there's like super uh, cool neighbors. Yeah, they're really nice. The grandma will like send over yeah. stuff for the kids, and, and the little boys are so friendly. And he nice. is, he is. Is he had his moments when he was a little kid, but what little kid? You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. just little kids are annoying sometimes. And he's but, also younger than them all. Yeah, so. and so he's closer to Avery's age than um than Troy. But he, mm-hmm. when my brother came over and he was doing the RC car, and yeah. my brother let him. Well, sure, let him do the RC car. He's a really sweet kid. So. Um. <clears throat> yeah, and they're like really good neighbors. So it's hard mm. to find good neighbors, and it, you when you it live is. in a neighborhood, you don't have a choice in who moves in. And we've had <sighs> if you buy a house and then you have like an asshole move in next dude, door, laughing dude. Like that was some <laughs> drama at that house too. We called it the laughing guy house because his laugh was hilarious, and it, he was always hanging out on the front porch or their mm-hmm. door was open, and he yeah. sounded so funny. And it you would always bust us him. up. It was so funny. Yeah, they'd be moved. sitting on the couch watching TV. <laughs> Laughing good. Yeah. Him. <laughs> there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> but then I'm like, that's probably where, where the new Laughing House houses. We absolutely are. We are the most obnoxious, tackle. for yes. sure. Well, the guys get together and they are just as bad. Oh, yeah. And like, we sit outside because we're just hanging out outside to not be in the house. Mm-hmm. But, get and our the, vitamin D. Yeah. And the guys hang out. Um, late into the evening and we don't force our neighbors to listen to music all night. No, we don't. <laughs> that is not just, us. Just gotta listen to us laughing. Okay. You ready for your yeah. craft? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm super okay. excited. Good. So my, I had talked about this in an episode past in a little tiny bit. I was like, oh, never mind, never mind. I mean, I'm probably going to end up covering it later. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing dollhouses. Oh, yay. <laughs> I'm so excited. It was really fun. It's and so funny because every time when we like hear the craft, I'm like, yeah. please don't let it be what oh, I'm working absolutely. on. Please don't do let it be the thing. one I'm done with. <laughs> But dollhouses, okay. Yeah, Yeah, because you're working on yours now, right? Yes, I am working on one. And I um, have made room boxes before that I really loved. And um, I completely disassembled all of them, though, because it was really bulky and it wasn't, like, level and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I disassembled it and I'll redo it. But it was really fun. And I love it. Now I'm doing a big dollhouse and it's the bane of my existence. (laughs) I'm not good with those. The directions are just weird. But I will do it. And I'm working on the stained glass windows. and. Mm -hmm. They're giving me grief, too. It's yeah. okay. Okay. So, technically, dollhouses are a very young hobby. Mm-hmm. They've only been around for basically the last, like, 500 years um, as an art. So, that actually is quite young compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the yeah, ones yeah. we've talked about that are literally ancient forever. Yeah. Like Egyptian time, yes, Roman times. exactly. But miniatures have always been around. Mm-hmm. Specifically, there have been miniatures found in the old world tombs of the Egyptians mm-hmm. 5,000 years ago. Yes, I know that. <laughs> yeah, and these little tiny miniatures were carvings from wood, stone, you know, brass, and they were made for the decedent, which is the person who passed away, mm-hmm. to be able to take to the afterlife with them. And these miniatures would come to full size and help um, and help them in the afterlife. And so they would make replicas of, they would have them made replicas of their family members, servants, pets, their favorite foods, mm-hmm. you know, their alcohol, a lot of things mm-hmm. to take with them to mm-hmm. the afterlife to have to keep them comfortable and happy. And with the families, I was interested. I was like, do they 
Like, does that mean the family members come to life for them in their afterlife or when the person passes, they get hmm. to be together? So that's something I'm like, I have to, mm-hmm. I have to look it up now. <laughs> so yeah. it's really interesting. We went to, to the King Tut exhibit when it was out in um, LA yeah. and that was really cool to see like little dolls or whatever, mm-hmm. like all these little things that yep. are just so pretty and they're so well preserved yes. and how old they are. Yeah. And it's funny because they would even make little dioramas. Um, if you don't know what a diorama is um, for us in the United States, I'm sure it's called something else somewhere else. Um, they're just little boxes that depict scenes mm-hmm. of something i um, remember having to do that in elementary they school were my favorite <laughs> they were I wonder my why. favorite <laughs> i wonder why i'm still playing with dollhouses yeah. now they were my favorite and if i could do a report in diorama form i absolutely did i would always so um no i'd rather write it really yeah oh, God, I, didn't I got a really good uh grade for um it was for the um the organ trail yeah. And I had to write up a journal entry um, as part of a big project. And I. Like a pioneer? Mm-hmm, nice. And I stained the pages. I did it in my nicest cursive. Ah, and the teacher liked it so much. She was like, Can I save this for examples for future oh, classes? And I was fun. like, Okay. I think it was in junior high. I always did a craft. <laughs> I still do now. So like I'd in, rather write something than, yeah, I than absolutely. paper craft. It's not <laughs> yes. my thing. So. um. Outside of this, miniatures were pieces that were made for ritualistic offering types of things throughout history, but not dollhouses. Mm. So just miniatures in general. I'm not going to dive deep into that. We know what a miniature is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tiny. It's part of it. Yeah, exactly. It's anything that is shrunk down and, uh, and, and made into a miniature form of itself. Mm-hmm. So... We are starting between the 1500s to the 1600s. So it's the 16th century. Mm -hmm. And they are called baby houses. Now, not the word baby like we think of, like a baby doll house. Baby for a miniature version of a real house. house. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they were essentially... A model home of what your version of ideal would be. Okay. And so imagine like it's like a three-dimensional visual board. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they were exact copies of their houses with the ideal furnishings and things that they wanted or things that they already had. Mm-hmm. And they were extremely pricey. And to the point where... Again, as most of these, only the wealthy could afford them. Mm. And they were a status symbol. And some of these dollhouses, it was not uncommon that they were the entire value of a real house. That is crazy. Not a super fancy rich house, but like the person's modest house for the time. And I know it is really crazy. So they they were used as an art piece, but also... Again, it was like a fun way you could like rearrange your furnishings to visually have a mm-hmm. representation of how you can rearrange and redecorate. And I like I, that too. Yeah. My <laughs> brother does like that on the computer. Yeah. Like that one guy. See, we all like that it. one guy on, on TikTok or whatever on Facebook where he, people have like issues in their room and he will have little, little model oh, things. Yeah. yeah. He and, puts and it show. together so that you yeah. can like utilize the most space possible. Mm-hmm. So my brother yeah. did that for his room and then for Troy's room when um 
he got the bigger bed mm-hmm. and helped like well your desk could go here this could go here you got space yeah. here and and so yeah instead of yep. building we've it, always just, done it. yeah it's so funny <laughs> right we do and it in a technology forward way yes, now we move forward uh-huh. from it so um these baby houses were more like a, a big cubbied cabinet that would have table legs they were tall enough that you wouldn't have to crouch down Mm -hmm. um because also they were big enough that they could be kept out of the hands of children Mm -hmm. they were not meant for children yeah were not toys i know because now it is yes they were not not toys and so they were high they were high up table legs and imagine like an armoire that is open and has different little cubbies in it and Mm -hmm. each of these is a different room at this point in time there's no real uniform scale that's the term that's used for doll houses which is scale and um i will get into that but uh, the super common one is and the easiest which is the one that i'm building is a one twelfth scale so that is one inch or 2.45 centimeters is equal to one foot which is like i could it's weird it never comes out right it's like 30 centimeters yeah, I always get confused with those with um, Lincoln's monster trucks because yes. they have the scale. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, this is, we got him something for his birthday. Yeah. And I was like, this is smaller than I thought. But I'm like, but I don't get the ratio, like the, the scale. Yeah. Like, so it's yeah. confusing. So that's, a, that's the best way to think about it is like, if that monster truck is 10 feet tall, mm-hmm. it will be a 10 inch tall monster truck. Yeah. So it's just one foot is one inch. Okay. So that's a one twelfth, and that's the most common. And I'll get into a couple mm-hmm. more later. So at this point in the 16th century, there, like I said, there's no scale to these. They were just made to be as detailed and beautiful as possible in a small scale to take up mm-hmm. as little room as possible. And <clears throat> the the earliest baby house i love that term it's so cute the <laughs> earliest baby house you gotta in, call it that from now on uh, yeah exactly working on my baby house working on my baby house <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird too <laughs> the earliest baby house in documented history um was from 1557 and um when we say documented it's like they had the receipts mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's in 1557 and it took an entire year to complete which is actually not that long mm-hmm. um so that's like some work put in mm-hmm. and it was commissioned by Albrecht fifth Albrecht the fifth the Duke of Bavaria okay and um and it was it, it was made for him and um it was exactly what we think of or as I have just explained it's like just a big dollhouse and mm-hmm. it the replicas were super interesting because they were not only just made to be um, exact it was exact details down to the pages mm-hmm. of the book mm-hmm. so these weren't just like stuff the pages with blank paper they were as a handwritten book mm. it was a handwritten book okay. and and that was what the libraries filled their fake library with it was mm-hmm. next level yeah <laughs> bougie <laughs> um nuremberg germany was called also called the toy city and it's the mecca of german toys in the 16th century and i just that's like so long ago we've mm-hmm. always loved toys and they were uh coined for making the first what i called a room box and it was called a nuremberg kitchen mm-hmm. and it was a single box and they had 
um, a kitchen set up. Oh. And so everyone was different. And so it was just like a really beautiful, fancy kitchen. And these were the first ones that were touted as like a toy, an item oh, that could be okay. a toy. And their first two were gifted to the princesses of Saxony, um, Dorothea and Anna. They were only five and ten years old and mm-hmm. they were in love with them and they started to come into fashion more mm-hmm. as a toy not an adult okay. collector's uh-huh. item so each early dollhouse was an art piece and they're made by master craftsmen we're, like I said we're not talking just like me <laughs> putting yeah. together a dollhouse that's been punched out for me uh-huh. these are architects and they're using math and measurements and they start building these houses each of them is one of a kind but during the Industrial Revolution, which changes everything in every facet of these crafts, we're talking about mass-produced paper, mm-hmm. mass-produced fabrics and dyes and spinning and all these things. The Industrial Revolution changed them. And then you're like, but was it for the better? Because mm. it always roughens it. It's not the same. And this is when manufactured dollhouses started being made. Okay. Um, They were... massive so many toy companies had popped up throughout germany and england and they're making these dollhouses now Mm -hmm. and during the 19th century the toy manufacturers moved to making some dollhouses here in the usa but again that's not that long ago that's still recent enough to me it's Mm -hmm. interesting and after world war ii you know a lot of things changed for everyone And these dollhouses were using less resources and they are now being made out of tin. They're called tin lithos and it's looks like a big lunchbox house. It's metal Mm -hmm. and the pictures are stamped on the inside. This is the first design of this. And so Mm -hmm. the whole facade of the house and the windows, everything is printed on. Mm -hmm. And it will have cutouts and it will have stairs, but these are all printed. Mm-hmm. And so your pieces that you added in were added to, but you couldn't change the mm-hmm. wall structure. Bookcases were printed on. The kitchen could be printed on. And mm-hmm. that's common in dollhouses now, too. Yeah. But they weigh a lot more. Mm-hmm. So um, these things were becoming really cute and really modernized. But again, it's it's after World War Two. Not everyone in every anywhere is doing great, and dollhouse sales start to decrease. Mm-hmm. Um, back into a little bit more of some scale now, because uh, I'm going to start talking about dollhouses, so it's going to help you. One twenty fourth scale is um, one foot. Actually, is only a half an inch in size, and so we that that scale is quite small and you end up talking they sell these kits on like you know amazon the 124th scale and that is too small and fiddly for me Mm -hmm. um i cannot make miniatures in 24th scale right now Mm -hmm. um i i do uh 12 Mm, one six scale is going to be barbie size okay and so one six is like it's a half and a half Mm -hmm. so um and the craziest part to me the tiniest scale is one 
144th scale. <laughs> this is a dollhouse within a dollhouse That's scale. Crazy. We're talking someone writing your name smaller on a grain of rice with a. That is um, crazy. You know, because they had big magnifying loops uh-huh. back in the day for jewelry and crafts and mm-hmm. watches and things like that back then. And they would have to pop those on. And people still make these today. And I see them in my craft groups. And I mean, my arm has issues. So that, that kind of fine detail, I have. I have grip issues that will make me tremble trying mm-hmm. to grip. I don't have a strong strength. It's something I need to work on from a surgery I had. And um, and also, I just don't have a desire to do it that small. Yeah. Good for people that do. That's amazing because your dollhouse should have a dollhouse. Yeah. But that is just too much That's for me. That's like lace um, oh crocheting and the stuff. The tatting. The little itty bitty hook. It's like, yeah. uh, no, thank you. That's too small. It's literally the hook on the end is like, hey, my tarantula claw is that long. <laughs> teeny, it's really tiny. teeny tiny. I can't do teeny tiny stuff. <laughs> I, me neither. So, uh, Queen Mary's dollhouse in 1924 was designed by a lead architect of the time. His name is Sir Edwin Lutienes, I believe. It took him four years. And this is so bananas to me because, again, Somebody in one of my craft groups was had just gone here to visit and they were really upset in my miniature group. Mm-hmm. They were really upset because it was closed, but they were really nice and mm-hmm. asked politely and they were able to be let in. Oh, and they were cool. like, yeah, it's no problem. You can take as long as you want. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a free tour. Yeah. Um, it's in Windsor Castle. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really cool. But then they got in trouble because they took a picture. And oh. you're not supposed to have flash photography because it's so old and delicate, mm-hmm. but also just because... It takes away the specialness, I think, if you show it off. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No hate. I'm just saying. And (laughs) so um, get this. It is crazy. I don't know how. I didn't keep looking into it because we know it has working plumbing. How? That's Uh, crazy. And I'm guessing like I'm like maybe gravity. Yeah. Like a gravity kind of like we're talking flushing toilets and turning on water in the kitchen of the dollhouse. That is weird. Right. And it has wiring, but this is not uncommon. Like a lot. I don't want to get into that fiddliness. I don't plan on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are super simple LEDs that that I've thought about. But, you know, I never want to get into diodes and soldering and all that. It's mm-hmm. too much for me. I want to keep it simple and fun. And, yeah. But and so th- this is made with working plumbing and wiring and lights. And I think that's amazing. And this is the craziest part to me. And this is like I explained with the books. Mm hmm. These only had the finest of items put inside and the people, two two examples of people that were commissioned to do works for the dollhouse. One of them was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh-huh. which most people are familiar with. But in case mm-hmm. you're not, he uh, wrote Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. and a lot of other you know, crime novel I literally have, works and stuff like that. I literally yeah. have two books right oh, there. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> and so he wrote, they both commissioned and wrote teeny tiny books just for the library. These are like unpublished works. I don't That's know. Crazy. And the other was Rudyard Kipling who wrote the jungle book. Mm. And so they both have leather bound tiny one-of-a-kind books in the queen mary's dollhouse that's crazy in windsor castle and i think that's super cool and weird but um so anyway and there's a full library of books in this dollhouse and mm-hmm. i'm desperate to know who made them all <laughs> so um that could be maybe an update but yep. at the same time i have sources and it would be cool to look at them you should mm-hmm. look at them um this dollhouse is um 
this is kind of interesting because we have another little bit of um oh my gosh my brain uh <laughs> differing information oh that yes you and i come into contact with yeah. a lot and it's it kind of interesting and i'm going to get into that at the very end okay so this dollhouse stands at about um five feet tall or one and one and a half meters i will always round you guys i'm not going to yeah. be like 1.7352 <laughs> meters so yeah it's about one and a half meters and it has 16 rooms it took um it took edwin lutiana's four years to build it wow. and it has had over um or i'm sorry it had over a million and a half visitors in the first seven months of its opening wow so everybody was really excited to see mm-hmm. it and i'm sure it was publicized that these famous people yeah and i mean we're talking famous artists commissioned coin size portraits yeah the whole thing you know the best textile artist of the time made the couch that's crazy this is what we're talking about and that i find so amazing and fun mm-hmm. and like that's not a thing now mm-hmm. yeah. and i love it so um so anyway it is still on display as i just said somebody Mm -hmm. was just talking about it and i think there's some kind of um it was closed because there was some kind of renovation doing the front of the building it's like a closed off its own room Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of interesting so that's still in windsor castle that's cool another well-known dollhouse um this is my favorite my Mm -hmm. favorite um colleen moore she was a silent um movie actress and she had this monster of a dollhouse built for her by her dad it was nine feet wide that is two and three quarter meters wide Mm -hmm. and the tallest tower of this structure of the house is 12 feet tall (laughs) which is 3.7 meters tall that's crazy that is taller than our ceilings. I know. I was just going to say, I don't think our ceilings are that <laughs> no, tall. No, they're not. I think we have 10 foot Yeah, ceilings. I think so. <laughs> so old house. <laughs> seriously. Really old house. The interior. Now, this because like, you know, I, I've mentioned it before. I do taxidermy and mild types of mummifications and wet specimens that I'm not like really, uh, I'm not super good. And it's, um, you know, it's dead animals. It's mm-hmm. sad. So I'm really interested in what this is made out of because it doesn't say. But the interior had miniature bearskin rugs. Oh, my God. And I'm like, were they made of mice? What are they made of? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so the miniature bearskin rugs and there is art and amazing furniture. The same exact thing. She had money and she commissioned pieces, but she also created a lot of them herself. She mm-hmm. had a lifelong love of, that's hard to say, a lifelong like love love. of these dollhouses yeah and it was one of her favorite accomplishments and she worked on it all the way up to her death Mm -hmm. constantly adding and removing and it was so big now get this there is um god this instagram post i'm like how many pictures do i put in (laughs) so i'm gonna have to work that out but i really do want to put in a picture of it and i will so what you will see in the picture is like all the gold that's real gold. Really? It is not paint. It is yeah. real gold. And it has an estimated value today of $7 million. That is insane. Right? So Freaking this, <laughs> I was telling you this when we were sitting down doing our research together. Mm-hmm. Remember I had told you. The I was conflicting like, information? I No, no. Oh, I was oh. like, I found something so good that I'm going to add. And the way it ties in to our vibe is too perfect you'll hear it as soon as we get to it oh my gosh is it i know (laughs) 
I I have a good guess. Is it? Okay. Frances Glessner Lee. She was born in 1878, and she created something called Nutshell Studies of Unexplained Death. She was the first female police captain in all of the United States. So she's already, like, tough. She's a badass, Mm -hmm. and I love her. She's amazing. And she helped. She was one of the founders of the Department of Legal Medicine at Harvard. Uh. And what this was is the blossoming of forensic science. Mm -hmm. And so forensic science is opening up. And, you know, as I've mentioned in my Victorian crimes, they knew fingerprints. They Mm -hmm. knew how to look for crime evidence. They knew this and that. But we didn't have a lot of empirical evidence to Mm -hmm. to go on. And so she was part of that in the beginning for at least the United States. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she noticed was that training was lacking and this is something that happened in a a big case in britain that everybody knows about jack the ripper there was crime evidence that was messed up Mm -hmm. um not taken because of their women's positions in life um and so because they didn't have training you were just hired yeah hey i need a job i'm a cop yeah like that's mm-hmm. it and so because of this you know we're talking the very early 1900s she started mm-hmm. this career young in her life um she knows something needs to change and the route that she decides to go to she goes back to her youth and she decides that she's going to start making dollhouses mm-hmm. and these types of dollhouses she knows is going to be made for training. She's an incredibly talented artist and she's been making these dollhouses since she was a kid. Mm -hmm. And this plan, she has started to curate these room boxes and they have the most perfect, accurate, amazingly painstakingly made details to the point of was the door locked? Was it Mm -hmm. unlocked? Is the Mm -hmm. latch open on the window? Is the light switch up? Does the rug look like it was wrinkled, but then spread back out again? Mm -hmm. And all of these things she made without scale because it didn't matter. But it was essentially in a room box. I'm all with my hands. (laughs) I'm like in a room box that's maybe like an 18 by 18. Mm -hmm. So it's a good visual. It's bigger. So, you know, because people are going to gather around and they're going to look at this. She was amazing i mean she made the bullet hole she painted the bodies she Mm -hmm. painted the corpses the entire crime scene every single thing down to the letter and then she also made um made up scenarios so um you know to help these solve these crimes they were like a Mm -hmm. riddle and she was just a genius and i just love it so much so she one of the things, because she did these all herself. So, again, we're kind of going to go back to these teeny tiny details. Mm-hmm. She hand painted letters. If they had junk mail, she took a single horsehair and she painted. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she painted the letters. She mm-hmm. painted the books. She used two straight pins to knit socks what <laughs> and i was just talking about yes the tiny i could yes. never nope and so for, if never. you don't know a straight pin a straight pin is used in pinning your clothes for patterns or just pinning them because you need to do a hand sew mm-hmm. really quick they're like an inch and a half long mm-hmm. in centimeters that's about three and a half centimeters and they have a little tiny nail head on the end and they look yeah. like a miniature knitting needle that is crazy she knit needle she knit socks that's <laughs> and crazy. that's i love it she rolled tiny 
hand rolled cigarettes with rolling papers, oh tobacco, and lit the end. She meant business. <laughs> Seriously. And I love it because yeah. like the attention to detail oh, is for sure so because there. it's important to her yeah because it is important because mm-hmm. what if that cigarette was from the the i mean you and i have read articles of like the criminal left his wallet behind yeah he left his facebook and it was logged in uh-huh. so what that cigarette could have been by the person that committed uh-huh. the crime they left it there after they cleaned up and they forgot their cigarette so yeah. all of these things are important and i love that she even handcrafted, which is crazy to me. I see people do this with clay work. Um, they will like cut up old pop cans and make molds and cutters, like die cutters and mm-hmm. stuff. She made a hundred percent functional locks and keys. That is crazy. Because like, where would you buy that? Uh-huh. Like, I can, I have dollhouse locks and keys, uh-huh. and they're teeny tiny, but they're not functional. Mm-hmm. I think the smallest lock and key I have that's functional is like, you remember those little shitty ones from our journals as little girls? You could just yes. pop them open. Avery has one for her. Yeah. And I'm like, I have one something. for probably like a train case that has yeah, makeup I think, or nail yeah. polish. Yeah, that's what she has it for. Yeah, that's the smallest I've ever seen that work. Mm-hmm. So that just blows my mind. And again, you got to remember. We are talking, this is like the early turn of the century. She starts Mm -hmm. getting this idea. She started working in these processes. So she started designing the nutshells. That's Uh what she's calling them. She starts designing the nutshells in the beginning of 1940. So not only is she hand forging tiny brass locks and painting letters with a single horsehair and knitting saw i'm just never gonna get over it that's crazy. she's in her 60s that oh my gosh i can't even do that now the dexterity my the yeah. joint pain i have it's like woman mm. and i find like that's amazing to that me. is I think crazy it's so cool and she is um she's been tout- touted as being a genius too and i'm like don't mm-hmm. blame her I, I don't blame her i don't, <laughs> don't disagree with disagree, that at yeah. all and so her nutshells were such an I love saying that her nutshells. <laughs> um her nutshells were such an immersive and amazing, useful tool. Um that because they could interact with it. They uh-huh. could lift up the rug and see, was there a footprint? Is there uh-huh. one tiny drop of blood that you uh-huh. didn't notice that's left behind? These were meant to be handled. Yeah. So they are still in use today for teaching at the office, the office, <laughs> the office of the chief medical examiner in Baltimore, Maryland. Huh. And they're only taken out during like um, seminars and stuff because mm-hmm. they're art pieces. They're yeah. glorious, but they're so useful. And did you know, is this what you thought I was going to yep. talk about? Yeah. yeah. And it's so amazing. And it's funny because when I was doing this, I was like, holy shit, I yeah. have to. It's like our crime, our crime. Yeah. And I was so <laughs> I have goosebumps. I <laughs> I love it. It's magic. And so I will post a picture of that. Too. Yeah. Now I have just a couple little, a little things coming on after here. I Googled it. Um, and I Google. <laughs> so um, the most expensive dollhouse, because that's seven million dollar dollhouse. That seven million dollar dollhouse is not the most expensive. Oh, my gosh. The most expensive dollhouse is called the Astolat Dollhouse Castle. It's valued at, and now, you know what? I did not pay attention, but I don't think it was a new article. And with inflation, the way things have yeah. gone crazy. Yeah, um, it could it's, be valued more. Yeah, it says it's worth about $8.5 million Gosh. or about 6 million pounds or 8.3 million euro. It has 29 rooms. Wow. 
what? <laughs> Maybe like servant rooms and like what? What are you talking? I don't know. Twenty nine rooms. It took. 13 years wow. to build completely wow. so from 1974 to 1987 by the artist elaine d hell mm-hmm. and it has i love this this is i want this to be me Ten thousand individual handmade miniatures wow so in the same fashion you know every single book is handmade uh-huh. it's not like like i've made a library for the room box um mm-hmm. that i had made and what i did was i had a little scribble stamp that was like it was like a love letter print or something but it's mm-hmm. like illegible mm-hmm and so I just used that a million times in different colored inks and I trimmed out every single page and I did front and back. I did a lot of printouts and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, my sister and I hand bound a few tiny little books, like so uh-huh. sewed the signatures and everything. And um, but I didn't go that far. I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. handwriting pictures and stuff. But even that was like a full day to yeah. do one miniature book was like a full process. I can't even yeah. imagine. So anyway, sorry, 10,000 handmade individual min- miniatures for these 29 rooms. And it weighs just around 800 pounds. Whoa. <laughs> or 363 kilograms. And it takes up 30, 30 square feet. That's crazy. 30 square feet, which is about 275 metric squared meter squared sorry wow for metric yeah and that's just ginormous that's uh-huh. like the entire room this yeah. whole room yeah is the base of this dollhouse and so it's like her life's work and accom- one of her best favorite accomplishments and mm-hmm. um i love that so much so here is the conflicting information okay. and because i am an american citizen i'm not saying this to be an asshole it's just i understand the pride of country uh-huh there is so when you Google it, Queen Mary's dollhouse is said to be the record for the biggest dollhouse. But I just told you this dollhouse takes up an entire room. Yeah. Queen Mary's dollhouse did not. If you remember the specs, I told you. Yeah. It's only five feet tall. That's not that big. Uh-huh. And it's up. And it only had 16 rooms. Uh-huh. Yeah, it had working plumbing and wiring electricity. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of a dollhouse with plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's other evidence that actually only says it was three feet tall. Hmm. And so actually this conflicting evidence says that it is I it's Elaine DLP. I'm so sorry. Her name is spelled D I E H L. I'm like deal. Deal. Let's make it's a deal. deal. That's the Elaine same deal. Yeah, D I E H L. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's deal. That's the same nice. last name as Troy's Orthodontist. <laughs> oh, see, there we yeah. go. So, it is between Eileen DL or Colleen Moore from what mm-hmm. I think. And either way they both have big big, big old houses. Big, yeah. And so here comes in the thing like they're claiming it's the biggest and it's not mm-hmm. not even close. So yeah. I'm like I think it's just the pride of country they wanted to Yeah. And so because I'm like I'm not talking like one or two of like sources it was a lot. So yeah. it's like what is going on? I don't understand. Um because that was like the official page. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> it must have been cold that day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've i always loved dollhouses. And I remember as a kid growing up, um, our library, the upstairs. It was a really big library now mm-hmm. that I think about it. 
the upstairs was well it's the capital it was the capital of Oregon so yeah it was a large library um it the whole upstairs was like the kids area mm-hmm. so all the kids books were upstairs um and then there was like a fun I think it was called the discovery room or something mm-hmm. and that was amazing and had a lot of fun stuff and there was a dollhouse there mm-hmm. and I would get lost in it every time as much as I loved the discovery room it had bowl table mm-hmm. and everything I loved it but that dollhouse I would just stand there and it was in a glass cabinet and it was lit up and stuff mm-hmm. and I would just like <sighs> peek my face in <laughs> and like cut my hands because seriously as cliche as it sounds there was something new every time yeah there was something I didn't see because in reality I was only standing there a few minutes and then yeah. it's like Elaine we gotta go and I'm like Mm-hmm. And so I've loved them forever. And it's funny because I feel just like those people in the 16th century, even as a little girl. Um, when I played Barbies with my sister, we didn't really play Barbies. We just played mm-hmm. like, let's set up their space. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it was like the scenario. And so it was just like setting up. a. I didn't ever have a Barbie dream house. Actually, I didn't have a big doll. No, house. Like, no. I didn't have a big one. I had a fold up one. Yeah, I did like three rooms. I didn't have like, one. Psh. What I got would be like the play sets that had individual bits. And so, mm-hmm. you know, at the point it was like a grocery store. And so we would painstakingly set up like the display and everything uh-huh. and like and that was totally my jam. <laughs> and because my sister and I are very particular hashtag Virgo. Mm-hmm. We would be like three hours later, mm-hmm. and we haven't played Barbies once. <laughs> All we've done is set it up, and yeah, that was the goal. Uh-huh. And I realized that like there's nothing wrong with that. We mm-hmm. were still using our imagination, and so yeah, I love miniatures. I love setting them up mm-hmm. like that, and um, I. I'm so excited for the one I'm doing right now because I have it mm-hmm. like all planned out in my head and I'm so excited. <laughs> These fucking windows would just come together. <laughs> no. I just talked about that for like 15. Well, we did talk for 10 we minutes. <laughs> this is the longest craft I think I've done in a long time. Yeah, I am. Um, but the little biography was yeah. like, added to it. I it took um, woodshop in high school yeah. and our final, I remember telling you, our yeah. final was to like build a house, you know, to a certain scale mm-hmm. and um, it had to be up to code. So like you had to have your An firewall. architecturally yes, sound arch- yes. system. Oh my God, it's so And cool. we had to do all the shingles on the roof and everything and um, leave walls exposed so that you could see your beams and all of that. And mm-hmm. it was really fun. We worked as a team. It was like. Did you guys have to wire it too? No. It was just the structural, gotcha. like, integrity of the building I up to that. code. Did and you have so, to take the brunt of the work? Um, <laughs> you paused. <laughs> well, I was the only girl. There were, I was the only girl in that class. Um, oh, actually, my God. No. I was the only girl in my woodshop class, too. Yeah. I Actually, yeah, I was. I was the only girl. And so my – it was – we were broken up into teams of four. Mm. And, um, and so it was me and three other guys. And so I'm pretty – uh, I pretty much took you the planned lead. it out. I planned it out because they executed the yeah. Plan. So it was like, oh, I'll work on this, and I was like, I'm gonna work on the shingles. You're not gonna fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we did good. We we aced the project. We got yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's like that that meme. Have you? I'm sure it's so morbid, but it's like, you know, um, when. <laughs> When I die, I want to make sure that my past group members lower me in my casket so that they can, <laughs> they can let, let me, me down, down one more time. <laughs> I have seen that. Seriously. Yeah. yeah I, I'm i a natural leader. Um, I, I I'm i a natural zero conflict. Please don't punch me. I'll do your homework. <laughs> yeah. I I got it done. That's cool. Yeah, but we all worked that together. That sounds like a really was, fun project. It was really too. fun. We all were into it. So nice. I just made sure that like it, it got done in time. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we weren't messing around too much. Do your homework, Bobby. 
Yeah, so, but it was fun because we only had time during class to work on it. Yeah. So you really had to work. So we would get in on, like, we'd get in, Yeah. two of the guys would go and grab it, and the other, Mm -hmm. like, me and the other guy would get all the materials. So I essentially built a dollhouse. I built a tiny house. You totally did. To code. (laughs) That's pretty cool, because I can tell you most of these dollhouses are not. To code, But I did mention, though, that they were made by architects back in the day, Mm -hmm. so there is... Probably not the outside, but I have a feeling probably the inside is because mm-hmm. they're going to build it like they would design a house because yeah. they were house builders. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Sorry, everyone. Did well, you like it? I did. It was really good. <laughs> you could tell I got into it. Yeah. I was like, this is my jam. <laughs> yeah. It was, I could see why you got into it. Okay. So uh, this is a long episode, but that's fine. I don't even know what day this episode comes out on. I think it's around Thanksgiving time, either mm. the week of Thanksgiving or the week after. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's episode 32. That's all I know. Gobble, gobble. So, if it yeah. is, there you go. Happy Thanksgiving if you are in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I always forget. <laughs> Who my, knows? Yeah, well. I know. <laughs> okay. So, on to the crime. Boo. Okay. I'm just so, kidding. I am going to do the case of Carla Brown. Mm. So, this takes place in 1978 in Wood River, Illinois. Mark and Carla moved into their first home together. Both of them had actually grown up in Wood River, and so they knew this is, like, the place where they want to, you know, live. Yeah. Um, they weren't married yet, and so this is in the 70s. Living in sin. Uh, I'm just kidding. It's very, it wasn't really common for couples no. to move in before they got married. No. In the 70s, but they did. Um, nice. Carla was very independent, kind of a free spirit my kind of lady yeah she had two older sisters so she's keeping up with her sisters Mm. so um she was 22 years old and um she was going to college at southern illinois university edwardsville and she was also waitressing at ihop the international house of pancakes i've been craving pancakes really sorry not me (laughs) shut up i don't have a sweet tooth (laughs) So, Mark was a little older than Carla, not by much. Um, He was actually an apprentice for construction. So, he was doing construction work. He was actually a little slow to commit, like, fully commit and settle down. You know, he's young. But eventually, they decided to move in together and make things a little more official. And Hmm. Mark proposed to Carla. So, they're just starting their life. So, the day after they move in, this is June 21st, 1978. It is 11.24 a.m. And Mark leaves for a construction job. And Carla is home alone. She had actually taken the day off work and she was going to use the time to unpack the house, you know, get a little more organized. And um, so during this time, she gets a call from a friend and they're making plans to um, get together later that day, maybe for dinner. And there was a loud knock at the door and Carla, you know, quick finished up the call and answered the door. So then six hours later, Mark comes home from work along with his friend Tom. And Mark wanted to show Tom, you know, the new house and also get some help moving some heavy furniture that was still in the truck. Um, You know, just finish up, you know, guy stuff like here. Come over, check out the house, probably have a few beers and we'll Mm -hmm. move some furniture. So when Mark walks up to the front door, he notices that it's unlocked, which he didn't like, you know, just that's weird. Um, So Mark is then looking for Carla throughout the house and he's calling her name. No response. So then he's like, well, she must be in the basement. So he starts to head down the stairs and mm. he finds blood everywhere. Oh, God. Cushions on the couch were moved and the TV trays were on the floor. Um, it looked like there had been a struggle. And then he finds Carla. Um, she is 
um, in a barrel of water, face her, face up to her waist. Her hands are tied behind her back. Um, so this is a big twenty-five gallon like bucket of water, mm-hmm. and she's yeah in in the water. And so he immediately pulls her out, and Tom calls nine one one. It's clear she's gone, um, yeah. but. Tom tells police like send an ambulance because they don't know yeah. um, they can still try yeah you know in that moment of panic it's like oh my gosh I don't know what happened this it could have just been, happened exactly it could have been a second yeah. ago and I think they can revive you up to like six minutes with not as much brain damage mm-hmm. but it, it's it's inevitable but they it's, could still try yeah so of course Tom just sees this hat no, I'm yeah. gonna call so runs upstairs because mm-hmm. this no cell phones you gotta run up to the <laughs> landline yep. you know and call the cops so police arrive and of course mark is absolutely hysterical um you know he they just started their life they got engaged Seriously. they moved in together the day before isn't this like the third one you've you've killed me with freaking these people all happy yeah and they're not happy. happy mine are so, all child murderers apparently <laughs> well like cutting people up and throwing no, them in the riven no the no riven mur- <laughs> the river. no murder Sorry. is nice no. but um yeah so uh police are you know trying to figure out what's going on so both him and tom are trying to give the police as much information as they can a crime scene technician was called to the house and the police worked to secure the crime scene and uh so the crime scene technician shows up starts taking pictures of the scene and Mm. looking around for evidence and there's no uh, there's no sign of fourth century Mm -hmm. uh it's clear that a struggle occurred and it started on the couch and then looking at carla's body it was clear that she put up a fight she was feisty there um were two men's socks that were tied around her neck in a knot Mm. and her like i said her hands were tied behind her back with um like an extension cord Mm -hmm. it says electrical wire extension cord uh she's naked from the waist down and she has a large gash on her forehead a cut on her nose and a large gash on her chin and the cause of death was strangulation from the socks that were tied around her neck Mm -hmm. they were actually socks from the house they were in the dresser upstairs that's where they would have been her fiance's socks Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um so the cause of death was um you know strangulation and Mm -hmm. they were actually the socks were so tight around her neck that they had to be cut off they couldn't just be loosened Mm -hmm. um so of course please start to look at the people closest to carla and mark was looked at as a potential suspect but Mm -hmm. mark had an alibi he was at work 20 minutes away yeah and he never left at any point in his co-op you know co-workers can cooperate mm-hmm. this uh police then go to the neighbors and see if they heard anything and you know this is a crime that happened during the day so yeah. they're like someone has to see or hear something uh-huh the house next door to carla and mark's house was owned by Dwayne conway and he said that he and a friend were sitting on the porch most of the afternoon and they didn't know of anything that happened to carla and so in the search of the neighborhood they um you know they actually find the woman who used to live in mark and carla's house She said that that day she was driving by with her grandson. She had to take him to a dentist appointment. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she used to live there. And so she's like, oh, let's just drive by the house. And um, she said that as she was driving by, she saw Carla arguing with a man who had long hair, maybe a beard, that afternoon. What a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And even the grandson was saying, like, in the episode I watched, he was like, Mm -hmm. what are the chances? How often do you go to the dentist? And, Um, like, you know. every six months. Yeah. So... Um, so that they were like, okay. So then they find out about that phone call with her friend mm-hmm. that, you know, said that there was a knock and stuff. And people had tried to call 
Carla after she had talked to that friend. And of course, they were not answered. So this puts the time of death just six hours before her body was discovered. So mm-hmm. that means time of death is around noon. Now, remember, her fiance left at like 11 something. So yeah. um, detectives then look at a group of her group of friends for any other potential suspects. Mm-hmm. And the first person they looked at was a local man named Jack Myers. And Jack and Carla were acquaintances and all of her friends knew like Jack had hit on her and, you know, and mm-hmm. she always rejected him. Carla was really pretty, yeah. like really pretty. So, of course, she got hit on and her sister was like, oh, she didn't even get phone calls sometimes. Like people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that She was just really pretty. And um, so her friends were like, yeah, maybe Jack was the one that did it because mm-hmm. he actually had some uh, incidents of violence with women. but he took a polygraph test and he passed so then they looked at her uh carla's former uh stepfather joe shepherd and he was known to police didn't have the best record Mm -hmm. and you know it looks like oh maybe he's a good suspect but there's nothing linking him to the crime so they're just like we have no idea so june 28th 1978 this is one week after carla's murder mark you know, asked his brother-in-law if he could go to the house with him to get some things. And it's really sad because it's like, he just didn't want to go by himself. The brother-in-law was like, it was really creepy going in, you know, walking down to the basement. You're trying to just moved in, but then it's this horrible thing happened. So at this time, you know, this is a week later, detectives are looking at the neighbor, Dwayne Conway and his friend, John Pranty. They know that there was obviously a violent struggle and these guys were just sitting on the porch close enough to hear if something was happening. So they are both asked to come in and take polygraph tests. Mm. John Pranty passes the polygraph test and is ruled out as a suspect. Dwayne Conway was so upset. He was just like fidgeting. Couldn't they just it was inconclusive. They couldn't yeah. get a real read on him. <sighs> so that would be me too. And it would suck because me I'm too. Like, I would be innocent would, and having a panic attack. They know that. Yeah. And so I, I understand that's why it's that, like it's inconclusive. Yeah. We can't tell. Because he can't relax. <laughs> yeah. So two weeks later, there's no progress that I'm can be made in the right case. <laughs> Me too. Because I know what's happening. Um, So two weeks go by. There's still no progress. There's no lead suspects as to who would have committed the the crime. And around the time, this was interesting, around the time of Carla's murder, there was a string of home invasions and rapes that the department was like dealing with. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the Wood River police chief actually resigned when it was discovered that he withheld 14 reports of rapes attempted rapes and sexual assaults over the last 16 months what keep your numbers down i guess yeah because it'll make it look like mm-hmm. you're but and they're all unsolved or yeah. most of them unsolved so maybe the ones that he couldn't because it'll know, look bad mm-hmm, so. bad for the department God. so shortly after her murder there was a break-in and sexual assault that happened just two blocks away from carla and mark's house and an arrest was actually made hmm, good in this case and it was a man <laughs> named tony garza I know it sounds like a made-up name, but his name's Tony Garza. He fesses up to some of the break-ins and assaults, but said he had absolutely nothing to do with Carla's murder. He did fit the description of the man who was seen arguing with her the day she died. Also, long hair, maybe a beard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like... A tall guy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, two of Tony's cellmates told detectives that Tony had told each of them that he killed Carla. Oh, wow. But the description of the crime didn't match up, like, with the crime scene or any of the facts. It's just, like, he probably got all the information so from, like, to, like, yeah, brag about that? in prison, you know, and try to look all tough. Mm-hmm. So he was cleared as a suspect. And there are no 
new leads or suspects in the case and unfortunately the case becomes cold mm. so then in 1980 a new state's attorney was elected and his name is don weber and he immediately on his first day went in and got all the information there was from carla brown's case he was determined he's going he remembers her case mm-hmm. said he never forgot about it because she reminded him so much of a girl he went to high school with Aww. and so he was like we're gonna figure this out so the first thing he did was he assembled a team to increase like the resources available to help solve the crime yeah and one of the investigators actually had a connection to someone in the fbi named john douglas who was working on psychological profiling now remember this is back in the 80s the psychological psychological profiling is fairly new yeah he's interviewing these serial killers and Mm -hmm. stuff and and he is really perfecting this art it is an art because man i don't know how he did it so and keep your cool too and be friends yeah be friendly to get information oh yeah but he was really good at his job so he was asked if he could take a look at the case and he agreed he gave a very detailed report back on what their suspect is like that's so crazy when he looked at the crime scene photos he asked one question he was like was she feisty or was she docile and they responded back with she was feisty Mm mm-hmm uh, clearly, she put up a fight. Uh, he was then able to create this profile. He said it was a white male between the ages of 25 and 30. He was living or visiting within one or two houses of the victim. Oh, wow. He was in the Navy. The specificity. I know. <laughs> it gets crazy. So he was in the Navy. He had some kind of electrical practical experience. Hmm. He was a loser with women. <laughs> Uh, he stayed around the area for about a month, but then left the area. And then he said that he was driving a beat up car, either red or orange, probably a Volkswagen. How does he get that information? I have no idea. (laughs) So he then told investigators they needed to really hype it up in the media because the killer is complacent and thinks he totally got away with it. So that if it's brought back up in the media, then the killer, he said, the killer will call them. Because he's so obsessed with the crime and the investigation. He said that when the killer calls, he is going to try to play it down that he is a witness and doesn't want to become a suspect. Mm. So, like, I saw something, mm-hmm. but I don't want you to think I did it. Yeah, I'm calling from a payphone. I'm mm-hmm. going to hang up. <laughs> a few weeks later, one of the crime scene investigators meets with the forensic expert who is invest- uh, investigating crime scenes with a computer by enhancing the images uh-huh. <laughs> so this is 1980 mm-hmm. very new uh, technology so he takes a look at the photos from the crime scene and he notices bite marks on carla's neck and her collarbone so these bite marks had actually not been found which is weird by detectives or at autopsy so they now had this big piece of new evidence that could hopefully like narrow down the suspect list yeah and so this is when they decided to exhume her body in order to examine the bite marks how do you miss that i know sloppy police work i think they were just in over their head there wasn't really a lot of like murders you know in this area in this small town yeah um so detectives you know asked the family for permission they agree so they re-examined her body after she was exhumed and Mm -hmm. now the pathologist is saying that carlo did not die from strangulation she drowned once again how do you miss that yeah water in the lungs she drowned and usually, well, yeah, because she was still in the water, right? Mm-hmm. They pulled her out. He yeah. pulled her out mm-hmm. of the water. Okay. Because I was like, there's usually like foamy when you drown, mm-hmm. but she was in it. So it wouldn't have gotten yeah. to that point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now with this new cause of death and the psychological profile, investigators are looking at like all the suspects, mm-hmm. the initial suspects again. Of course, the two people that had been closest to the crime scene 
at the time of her murder were the neighbor, or, you know, the neighbor Dwayne mm-hmm. Conway and his friend John Pranti. So remember, John passed the polygraph test. Dwayne didn't. Well, he was freaking out too much. Yeah, he was freaking <laughs> out. So Dwayne was brought in for questioning, and he, of course, said he had nothing to do with her murder. Mm. And while detectives are investigating or interrogating Dwayne Conway, while they're talking to him, a phone call comes in. And you so want to know what it said? This man said, I was a witness to this, Mm-mm. but I don't want to be considered a suspect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm just messing with no. Yeah. No, it's exactly what the psychological mm-hmm. uh, you know, analysis said. He knew said. it was going to happen. So investigators then took a look into John Pranty further. And one of the things they looked at first was what kind of car he drove at the time of the crime. <laughs> well, he was driving a beat up red Volkswagen Squareback. Just what the psychological profile said. This also, um, the bite marks were going to be the evidence of whether or not he, you know, was connected to this. Yeah, dental record stuff, right? They don't yes. think they did that? Yeah. So, but in this case, it's the killer's teeth on her. Mm-hmm. So the bite mark impressions, you know, on her skin that's still pre- preserved, mm-hmm. you know. And so they take dental impressions of both Dwayne and John. Mm-hmm. The and bi- they like yeah. try to and line them up. Yes, yeah? yes. So they like do the little like line it up on the uh, picture and yeah. see. Um, so the bite marks uh, or their impressions were gathered, and the bite marks match John. Mm. So, that- so old Mister Spazzy Pants is in. Nope. Yep. Yeah. He was okay. just nervous. He's yeah. like, "What the heck?" I, I originally <laughs> thought like, "Well, it's inconclusive." The is the so yeah. this guy clearly. I don't know how he passed a polygraph test, but he passed the polygraph a test. A lot but, of crazy people do. But his teeth match the bite marks on Carla. Gross. So apparently, friends said that John was able to tell them certain details about the crime and the crime scene that would only be known to the killer. Ew. Details such as the barrel of water and the hands tied behind her back that was not known to the public. Uh, apparently, according to his friends, John didn't accept rejection from women. He was a loser with women. And the profile that John Douglas created about the killer was obviously, as we could hear, spot on. It's yeah. John. So the theory is that John Pranty went over to talk to Carla Brown with the hopes of maybe like some sexual encounter or whatever hit on her. Of course, she rejected him. And then that's when maybe they argued outside. I'm sorry. Is he actually a neighbor or he visits? No, he's, I, it's Dwayne. his friend. Yeah. Dwayne lives next door. Yes. Dwayne okay. owns the house gotcha. next door. Okay. Um, so obviously the argument outside is probably when she's mm-hmm. rejecting him. Then mm-hmm. he snuck in and attacked her in the basement. So yeah. like she just went back. Oh, probably didn't lock the door. He just waltzed right in. A lot of the times back then they didn't. Yeah. Um. So the idea is that he thought she was dead when he put her into the barrel of water. And the scene looked staged, like, in the fact that the barrel was out of place. And, yeah, it's it was just odd. But the psychological analysis was so accurate with the uh, electrical experience from the electrical cord. Mm-hmm. The knot used to tie her hands behind her was a knot known in the Navy. He was in the Navy. Uh, the profile is, like, spot on. So the bite mark was the one piece of evidence that they could use mm-hmm. to convict him. So a forensic te- uh, dentist testified at trial that the bite mark was consistent with his teeth. And now bite mark evidence is not very common now. It's not a solid um, sound um, piece of evidence that mm-hmm. that can't just be the only thing. But, I mean, we know other big cases were, like... You know, their bite marks. Mm-hmm. And people have very 
distinct like if you have a weird tooth you know yeah. you could see that in a bite mark you can also alter your teeth though mm-hmm. if you know and i that think you left a wound you could knock some out you could mm-hmm. be crazy and pull one out like get some braces you know, yeah <laughs> you, know, you could file a couple down uh-huh. you could do yeah so don't um, get any ideas people jeez so he obviously was trying to fight that yeah. the dental you know the dental impression shouldn't have been used against him but it's like mm. dude you were right next door right when this happened Mm-hmm. So in 1983, John Pranty went on trial for the murder of Carla Brown, and he was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to 75 years. He continued to maintain his innocence. And in December 2019, after serving less than 38 years of his sentence, John Pranty was released from prison, and he still lives in Illinois. And then I found something interesting when I was looking him up like okay so he served a sentence he still is like I'm innocent I didn't do it you know whatever it's clear you did right especially that psychological profile Mm -hmm. that was it's like wow that was so scarily accurate um and on January 24th 2022 at about 2 30 a.m uh John Pranty was charged with DUI and disregarding a stop sign after he crashed his car so he had another run-in with the law. What a dingleberry. And yeah, so he's just... What a shitty person. But... So the reason it was such a short... Because it was like there was no irrefutable evidence mm-hmm. technically. Because that's weird. I really thought that bite impressions were like final. Because it seems like it would be. Um, it's They'll take what they can get, right? They, yeah. And so in this case, it was in the 80s. And he was closest to the crime. He fit the profile. He... um, The bite... The teeth... I don't know... I didn't really look if his teeth were all jacked up, if he was missing mm-hmm. some or whatever, yeah. but his teeth matched and it's just it's like you were right next door. And mm-hmm. and the fact that he was like talking to friends about the case, obviously, and they're mm-hmm. like, man, I wondered why he knew all that. Well, it's because he did it and he was right next door. I bet you he probably killed her. <laughs> and when his friend went inside or went on a beer run or who knows, mm-hmm. who knows how it happened, but he... He did it. And um and if he didn't, then that would be a really crazy coincidence that his teeth would match. He has the same car. He was in the mm-hmm. Navy. He had electrical experiences, like all this all this stuff. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's they did their best with what they had, which we yeah. obviously But it know. was it was that um state attorney or mm-hmm. whatever. He just Yeah. But yeah, having all those details that helped for sure. But it's mm-hmm. just I'm like again, because the reality is like in his mind let's say mm-hmm. he's innocent he could lie and be like well the real person that did it told me all of this yeah if he wanted to so it's still shitty but then it would have to have no direct evidence to him mm-hmm. you with know, his so. teeth mm-hmm. so yeah so that was it was a pretty simple one wow. but um straight pretty straightforward i'm glad that it got reopened and it didn't just remain a cold case because it yeah. very well could have and it just took a couple of years i'm glad it wasn't one where it was like 20 years later um, mm-hmm. because then the bite mark compressions probably would, you know, think about how if, I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, your you teeth, lose change teeth change a lot yeah. from that point to that point. I know it was like, I swear as I get older, my teeth seem to be getting more crooked. <laughs> I know mine, which That's is annoying. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like I've had all four of my wisdom teeth removed too. So technically mm-hmm. I should have had more room for like adjustment. Mm-hmm. That's what they said would happen. They're like, yeah, you'll have more room for adjustment. And like, I got a little snuggly tooth on the mm-hmm. bottom front and yeah, they thought care. that one would like, like turn yeah and i'm like it's worse now as an adult so what weird. is that weird why <laughs> but My bones getting old and crippled and deformed. Yeah. okay so well that was 
I was like, it was a good job. Was sad. Yeah, it was sad. I'm like, it's it's really sad. The how staged then. crime was like overkill because if mm-hmm. he hadn't done that part, she maybe could have lived. Yeah, yeah, because she, yeah, died from drowning. Now he could have held her under the water. He, I don't know. But then I'm like, how did Dwayne not? Mm-hmm. Unless Dwayne was nervous because he was covering up like mm-hmm. he knew or something he just, was up the, like his friend just disappeared and yeah and he's like, like comes back and maybe has some blood on him how often do i leave your house and i'm just like i'll be back and then like i don't come yeah. back because i get distracted <laughs> yeah. or something or like i come back a couple hours later like mm-hmm. so if that's like a normal thing that they did he was probably like well, he just left like yeah. you know and, and maybe he didn't go back or i don't know because mm-hmm. they said that they were drinking beer sitting on the porch like all afternoon so maybe he was like i'm gonna go pick up some blow or some smokes or whatever yeah so i gotta grab another case of beer and Mm -hmm. and if he just went quick enough into her house if it's not locked you're not gonna need to knock and stand Mm -hmm. there ring the doorbell and it could have been a quick attack yeah so um but yeah anyways well sorry to so why on a sad note but (laughs) and it's gonna be the weekend and everything i know that's okay i'm ready so okay well with that stay crafty and not cry me bye